Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hi, everybody. How are you doing? It is, uh, let's see, Saturday, July 2nd. Uh, I'm here in Las Vegas, Nevada. In fact, I got my credential for, uh, I went to the fights tonight. I'm actually here, T-Mobile Arena is just beside me here. Uh, my name is Luke Thomas. I am one half of the morning combat duo. Uh, by the way, the other half, Brian Campbell, he is right now doing a CBS Sports HQ hit. Yeah, we'll turn it down just a little bit. He's doing a CBS Sports HQ hit. He will be here as soon as that hit is done. So you'll get the both of us here in just a minute. But for right now, we are going to go over all of the results from UFC 276, which just finished moments ago. So if you're joining me, uh, well, me and Brian now, I appreciate it. Thumbs up on the video. Please hit subscribe. <laughs> if you watched Friday's show and you're like, is Luke sober today? Good news. I am uh, completely. So we're going to get to all the results from the main event, from the co-main event, and the entire of the main, entirety of the main card. Maybe a little bit from the prelim card, but I do want to save some of that for the Extra Credit Podcast if we can. Okay? Um, what to do beyond that? I appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, this was a long one. This was a long week. That was a long event. And I saw that people were streaming out in the, uh, in the arena there, the T-Mobile arena, just prior, well, actually during the main event, which tells you a lot about sort of how folks interpreted it. Um, as a reminder, if you don't want spoilers, now's the time to go. I know you're like, why would you not want spoilers if you're here? But people complain about it because they're crazy. So I have to give that warning. All right, without further ado, let's get this party started, shall we? Oops. Whoops. There we go. <laughs> Here we are. Okay, uh, let's see. Da 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 da. One more time. Sorry, my bad. All right. I hope everything looks good. I think it does. I think we're good to go. I think it's all set in stone. All right. Let's go to the results. And again, Brian Campbell will join us here in just a few moments. If we pull them up, uh, Israel Adesanya, Adesanya, however you would like to pronounce it, he remains your UFC middleweight champion with scores of 50-45, 49-46, and 49-46. I had it like 49-46. I, I suppose I could see a case for 48-47, although that would be um, very generous. I don't know how accurate that would be, but... The problem was the fight was not great. Uh, it was not a great fight. It was not particularly entertaining. It was not particularly scintillating. And the first thing the champion said when he was interviewed by Joe Rogan post-fight was that he and his team did a really good job of not letting him up having any of his follow-up shots. And you really kind of saw that. Everyone was just kind of picking at each other. In fact, the time that there was any kind of volley of strikes, and they weren't in any way 
I'm using it in the more colloquial sense, significant, was when they were pressed up against the fence. Uh, Cannoneer would go for double underhooks or something else. And, you know, he would kind of have pit pitter-patter shots or maybe some knees to the leg of Izzy or something like that. But there wasn't really any volleying. Now, there were some good parts in either direction to an extent. For Izzy, I thought that his jab was pumping pretty well through certain stretches of the fight. I, I, I talk about this all the time. It drives the fans crazy, and I understand it. But if you don't take it away, he's going to win. Namely, Izzy's leg kicks. Izzy's leg kicks at this point are his jab, in a sense. Like if a boxer had a jab, right? Where it's the centerpiece of your offense. Everything builds behind it. And even if... It's still a little loud. It's okay. Um, and even if... You know, that's all that lands, they accumulate, they add up, they play a role, they have a function. And so that is really what Izzy does with these leg kicks these days. I mean, it's pretty remarkable, uh, but it doesn't really create for the most interesting action to a lot of the folks, and I understand that. However, that was the thing that I pointed to ahead of time. It, it, you did see, by the way, Kennanier land his own leg strikes, but that's not really the issue. The issue is not so much how much is Kennanier landing with leg kicks. The issue is more so... What is he doing to stop Izzy? Right? We go back. I bring this up all the time. I talk about it constantly. You go back to the Blahovich fight. Yes, it, later in the fight, the wrestling played a significant role, but it was the checking of the leg kicks in the first part of the fight that took Izzy a little bit out of his game and brought in his second-order offense behind the hands, and that fight was a very different one. By the way, it's hot as balls in this room. Um, so... You really didn't see that from Cannoneer. He did a good job of being away and not really getting caught with additional sort of combination strikes from Izzy. Again, the jab landed a little bit. The leg kicks were landing pretty significant through all five rounds. Couldn't get taken down. Didn't get super out-muscled in the clinch. Got kind of held against it, but not like thrashed or beaten up or, you know, moved around. And then Izzy also had this really good job of not allowing long-term... Um, I, well, he. Uh, let's look up some of the numbers before I sort of commit to that idea. Let's look up some of the numbers on what the control time was along the fence line because he typically is good about not merely stopping any takedowns but then extricating himself off the fence in a pretty quick manner so as to avoid bigger problems. Let's look at the numbers here if we can. These are from 3027, a.k.a. Fight Metric, and I believe these are official. Yeah, I mean... 0 for 4, Cannoneer went on takedowns. He had a total amount of control time. This would be, again, pressing Izzy against the fence of 4 minutes and 14 seconds. Jeez, that's a long time. He had, uh, in the sense of like how, how much there was like not a lot of action behind it, right? That's a lot of time for the crowd to kind of get restless. Zero control time in the first round, zero control time in the second, a minute 29 in the third, a minute 18 in the fourth, and a minute 27. These are fairly long-ish stretches, but they're not... There just wasn't a whole lot behind it. You look at the numbers overall. Again, these are quantitative, not qualitative assessments, but quantitatively, is he had significant strikes relative to Cannoneer in round one, 22 to 18. In round two, 28 to 19. In round three, 17 apiece. That appeared to be the one round that was Cannoneer's best or perhaps the easiest to score for Cannoneer if you were so inclined. Again, one of the judges had a 50-45, so it wouldn't even necessarily be that. Round four, 24 to 16 for Izzy, and then round five, 25 to 20 for Cannoneer. Cannoneer really never got out into like third or fourth gear on this one. It wasn't like he was totally out of the fight, 
right? There was never a point where you were like, well, Kennedy can't win this, except if you just sort of assessed that he didn't have the technical skill or whatever. But in terms of like getting beaten up, in terms of um, you know the fight getting slipping away from him in the way that things slipped away from Max, which we'll talk about obviously in just a second, it, you didn't feel that. But he never marched past a certain limit. He never marched through anything. He never really turned any significant corner in this fight. There just wasn't a whole lot to what he was able to do. And I think if Izzy can largely stay off the fence, which again, he largely did, if he can largely pick at you with leg kicks, put a little bit of other offense behind it. There were some good body kicks, actually in either direction, but Izzy had more of them. You know, that's his fight to lose at that point. In fact, if we look at the targeting, I think this will say a lot. Yeah, targeting from Izzy, 51% to the head, that makes sense. 22% to the body, 25% to the leg. So one out of every four things he targeted, he targeted to the leg. For Cannoneer, it was 40% to the head, 35% to the body. That's a lot to the body, which by the way, is a decent attack. Uh, and 24% to the leg. But the number that I want to see is not necessarily any of those. The number that I want to see is to what extent Cannoneer did targeting of the leg. Round one, 11 of 14. That's pretty good. In fact, he landed more leg uh, significant strikes than Adesanya, uh, 11 to 9. So that's pretty good. But then it begins to trickle a little bit. Kenanier then drops to four of five, then in round three, four of six, then in round four, two of two, and then by round five, one of one. He just wasn't getting a whole lot going there. By contrast, Izzy fell off a little bit in that number, but not nearly as bad, landing nine in round one, seven in round two, uh, four in round three. Again, that was the round that they tied, or you know that was the best round for Kenanier. Four to, to Kenanier's two in round four, six to Kenanier's one, in round five. But, you know, what's the common denominator in all of these? This was not, um, these are not like terrible numbers by any stretch. These are not even bad numbers by any stretch. No, no, nothing about this was bad except for, if you're a fan, probably the entertainment quotient because the fight itself just kind of hummed along, right? It never really had a whole lot of crescendos one way or the other or peaks, it didn't have any peaks and troughs. Um, but, The, the fight just was kind of ho-hum. It just kind of marched along. Izzy had a gap, basically, on Cannoneer, both in terms of overall ability and um, the capacity to land more numerically. And that's really what it was. That There wasn't much, there wasn't much more to it than that, uh, candidly. And you guys know, I'm a big... Listen, I'm a huge supporter of Izzy. I, I, you know, I make no... I don't hide the fact that I think quite highly of his game. Uh, I don't hide the fact that I've thought very highly of what he has accomplished to this point. He has done extremely well in the middleweight division. He has been dominant in, in a whole lot of ways. Uh, on the other hand, Richard Mann from Fightmetric has a newsletter. I always recommend it. And he puts it out, I don't know, usually every Wednesday of every week. And one thing he had noticed was if you look at Izzy's sort of first half of the campaign in UFC, there was a much bigger uh, differential between the strikes he landed on his opponents versus how many he absorbed. And I think we got BC coming in. Let me just finish this point real quick, BC. If you look at the second half of his career, it's actually the opposite, and the, the differential has shrunk uh, significantly. All right, let's bring in my guy here, BC. All right, we gotta make sure he's unmuted. Wait a second for Greg to give us the go-ahead. We good to go? All right, put it on. Put it on me, baby. <laughs> okay, let's do it. All right. Greg, can you hear him? He sounds good? He looks good, I'll tell you that much. Uh, how did it go on HQ? 
uh, sweaty, quick, and I got the job done. Shit it is in this city, but uh, how deep are you into the show? Because I'd still, like to drop a little analysis. Okay, we're here. still in the main event. Give me your reaction. I mean, he is. You know, you our, thought Cannoneer was going to win. Uh, I did. I also thought Cannoneer would take more chances, and I'm not here to damn him. But you know, you don't understand until you're in there with somebody like Izzy, and they 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 talked about it excellently on the broadcast. You know, the strength of him, of course, he looks skinny, he looks easy to take down, but the timing, the speed. You know, our, our fantastic producer and cameraman Greg said, "Dude, Greg's the man." Greg said on the way over there, "Hey, kind of looked like Mayweather." Yeah, it did kind of look like Mayweather under this part of the theme. Not 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 its direct apples for apples, but. It's hit and not get hit. It's hit and not and get what Adesanya yeah. does is he makes you take the ultimate risk to try to have some success with him. And I think he, he does that by tagging you early with counter shots, showing you the speed. Talk about the distance that they fought in the first three rounds. If you would have told me Kanye was going to be able to get that close but not be able to touch him, uh, it's not that I didn't see the lack of, you know, the skill gap between them. I just know of Cannoneer's danger, and in this case, he got disciplined at the end of the day. I don't think you can fault him as much as just says, Adesanya, he is who we thought he was. You know, at the, I mean, this guy's great. Five title defenses, uh, a, a claim for the pound-for-pound thrown right now, although it's a heated discussion with his own, you know, teammate there. Yeah, we'll get to uh, that in a Along minute. with Kamaru Usman, but um, not surprised in the end, Luke. And uh, I know there were some boos, but I don't look at this as a as a knock. There were maybe other fights. Did he not take enough chances against Yoel Romero? Yeah, and that was a weird fight, too. I got no knock here because Cannoneer stayed dangerous until that final round when he did land a couple shots. It did nothing, though. This was a thorough How many, how many did you give to Cannoneer? The clear round was round three, or clear. I want to say that was his best round, if not a clear round. I, you know, you and I were talking when there was about 30 seconds left in the round, 45 seconds left, saying, look, you know, it's pretty damn even, you know. I think Cannoneer did enough. He snapped Izzy's head back with that one right hand in the, when they were close in the clinch uh, to get the edge, although if, if you had it 5 nothing, then what was the final? I, I left before they did it. 249-46 is 150-45. Uh, either 50, way. 45 is a little strong. But, but, you know, you look at the stats in real time, we're 19-13. to 13 strikes for a cannon. Those numbers are all wrong. They're always wrong. They're, yeah. they, don't ever believe those. They're not correct. That cage, not that octagon, not smart at all. It's not. It doesn't call Uber for <laughs> you. <at all. laughs> I mean, but look, what do you want me to say here? Like, like. Well, here's one thing I'm bringing up, and I brought this up just as you were walking in, actually, which is that you know I talk about Richard Mann, and he has this Fight Metric newsletter, and one thing he had pointed to was that if you look at the first half of the campaign in UFC that Izzy has had, there was nearly a, a plus three differential he had in terms of strikes he would land on his opponents versus what he had absorbed. That number has shrunk to less than an integer. He still has a positive differential, but it is barely a positive. It does kind of tell you, I think, a couple of things, and maybe it's all these things together, and it's, right? One is, these guys are game planning better for Izzy. The tape on him, I said this before, like, there's a shit load of tape on Izzy. And if you come from a good team like MMA Lab, dude, and what did we say before the fight? I even agreed with it. I was like, dude, I don't know if, uh, if Cannoneer's going to win. He trains with the MMA lab. He is a veteran. He is going to have a good game plan. Maybe not a winning game plan, but a game plan, a good game plan just the same. And I think you saw that. The other one is, I don't know if the argument is if is, is he is, is, is risk averse or whatever, but the gap that he had on the division, like in a night where he yet has another title defense, it sounds kind of crazy to say the gap is narrowing, but the level of dominance he exerted in the early part of his UFC campaign he is not enjoying, for whatever reason you want to put that up to, he is not enjoying the same level of dominance at this point. Well, to what also, do you attribute that? You know, some of that is people learning their lesson. You know, you start watching the tapes of the people that did come at him. You watch the tapes of the first That's Robert right. Whitaker fight when the champion, you know, walked right into a big one there, although it wasn't, you know, recklessly. Izzy just sets it up, and if you are going to be offensive against him in an effort to not only win the fight, but to win the round, how do you typically win rounds? 
I mean, obviously, it, you know, if you land the bigger shots, but, but a lot of times to get there, it's output. If you're going to try to out, output this guy, he's going to match that and he's going to sting you with shots. So, you know, there is a little bit of a talk in there. I mean, did, did Cannonier was he willing to risk it all enough? You know, no is the answer. It's like, how much damn can you put him on him? I want to ask you, do you believe that Cannonier, who I think has his boxing, his defense, his head movement, I always thought was criminally underrated. I thought the last two wins heading into this fight, he really stepped it up a notch. Did that become at all a a, uh, a flaw rather than something that helped him because he tried to open up offense, but he always got back to a safe spot? He needed to be reckless to win this fight, true or false? He needed to take more risks to win this fight. Not I mean, from start to finish, right? Not from start, but to, like, finish. Not from start to finish. There had to be moments where he was going to command a respect. He never got that respect for the most part. I think that's right. I think that's right. But the, here's the thing. It's like, I often wonder when these guys are fighting Izzy, like when their rounds four, rounds five are coming up, and you're in a... Like, again, there there was not really a strong case for 2-2, but I, would, I always try to think, like, what did the judges maybe see? And we see fucked up scorecards all the time. So I was like, it's either 3-1 or 2-2, you know, what's he going to do to really press? And it always sometimes seems like these guys, I, it's so easy for me to say this, and I'm not in any way impugning his character, but sometimes I wonder if they realize the fight is lost and they want to just turn in a commendable performance. Like, I didn't get my ass beat by that guy. I don't want to end up on a highlight reel. Because they know if they start charging, yes, there's a high risk, high reward quotient there available, but also that 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 the risk is that you could end up getting completely fucked up and you get slept and... They're like, I've got, I went four rounds with this guy, and I looked pretty good the whole time. Do I want to give all of that away? I think that's sort of the thing that I, I wonder that if they... Because look, what would explain not doing... I mean, it's all part of the doing... same family, though. It, it is all part of, I had an idea to come in and do something. Yeah. That, that road got closed, and I quickly realized by getting caught with a few shots, by getting leg kicked, that, you know, if I disobey, I'm going to get stopped. So you don't lose heart and give up and start circling backwards if you're if you're elite and tough, and Jared Cannonier has proven that he's both. But when he can't even find the, 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 the first crumbs of success outside of that round three, uh, uh, unless he was willing to take the risk of, being, of looking up at the lights, which I didn't necessarily see in him, uh, he was confident enough to keep trying to find that opening. I, the only major thing I had a problem with was the lack of full-on urgency in four and five when it was clear, right? That's Second fair. half of round four, when it was clear, he wasn't winning a back-to-back And also, round. round three was his best round. Right. That was the time to pick it up right there. By the way, Mikey, were you good on the stream? Everything good? Yeah. Okay, all right. Because you guys are looking real concerned back there, and well, we don't we know. Well, do, it does look like a hostage video right now. It does look like a hostage. Yeah. Mean, should, we, should we tell our families we love them? And, I mean, and, should uh, we just stop the analysis, <laughs> and you can apologize for yesterday, Luke? Sorry, bro. <laughs> you know I love you. Um, you're still wearing your uh, your badge. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Who cares? Um, okay. What about the fans walking out before? Uh, like I, I I saw on Twitter like folks were walking out like sort of near the end of round. Yeah, three. I didn't get that in this case because Cannoneer's more dangerous than the average Joe. If Vittori's down four rounds to zero, maybe maybe that's a little more justifiable. Although Vittori's still a big time striker and can, yeah. has the wrestling capability. I don't see that in this matchup. I'm not mad at them. They pay their ticket. They can do what they want. The booing to me, like, I, I don't think this is a booable performance. Adesanya also was offensive in key moments, also was backing Cannonier up. This is not a guy you can F with. Part of me leaning toward that prediction was the idea of, I thought Adesanya was in a point where he kind of wanted to make a big statement. I was starting to buy into that belief. And against Cannonier, you can be lulled, I, I think, at times into thinking you're closer to a knockout when that guy was willing to take big-time damage. He's willing to just be patient and sit through that in ways that sometimes are inhumane to land that big shot. Um, 
Adesanya knew of the danger in there. I thought he was offensive enough. I, I, I really don't have a problem with that. Luke. No, I don't have much of a problem with it either. Although, I, again, it's not like this is... I'm not sure how to couch or explain this criticism in... in um, Exactly. but The, the answer's in the vape stick, if you're looking it, for it. It, it, it always yes. is in the vape <laughs> stick. But I'm being dead serious, which is to say, it's like, what, what can we say critically about Izzy's performance? He is, it's, it's extremely difficult to pick the lock, to find a clear opening on him, to consistently land on him. On the other hand, these guys have kind of figured out just enough to stay close to him without ever turning a corner, and it makes for less than desirable action, I think, for the fans. I think that is a thing that we're seeing. It's, it reminds me a little bit of John Jones toward the end of his light heavyweight run, where he would have just, I mean, and then those fights were a lot of different, and they would kind of open up in different ways, but there was so much tape on John. There were so many things he could do, uh, but guys would game plan around it, and he would kind of just be reserved mm -hmm. by virtue of the things they were showing him, but he was still just enough better than them that they couldn't overcome that. Um, it feels a little bit like that. Is that a fair assessment, or am I out of my mind? That's a decently fair assessment. It's, but like, look, you, would you agree? Um, Cannonier did show really good defense and head movement. He sure did. To not be in a situation where it looked like he was on the verge of getting dropped he and taken he out. Did, he didn't get dropped. I didn't see him wince. I mean, his eye got a little, his right eye got a little so bit messed up. I don't and there, was, that, there was an eye poke. There was an eye poke. But I don't say that for us to give him praise because again, if you felt like he didn't take enough risk, given that. At 38, is he getting back to this title shot? You know, you'd say unlikely. You never know, but you'd See, say that's unlikely. The thing. That's the thing. Okay, so, so that's the difference with Vittori. Vittori's still in his 20s. So if he be, if he can't get there, well, partly he's not fully developed. The other part is he's got time left. Dude, time is up for Cannoneer. So, like, so I think because he wasn't getting figure. pieced up. I mean, when you're getting pieced up and you start to feel like I could go, that triggers a lot of fight or flight in people and they just go for it. Cannonier again, I think his defense and his head movement and some of the counter strikes once in a while that he was hitting, it gave him a false sense of uh, confidence or security that he was closer than he was to crossing that line. And he really wasn't in the end because you one, if you're gonna say, I don't know how you put it exactly into words how great Izzy is, but he's now showing him he can go close to that flame and not get burned. Yeah, I mean, he, he, is, he was, was not afraid yes. to be fighting at a distance that you would think in theory, you don't wanna be there with Jared Cannonier. I would say this fight relative to some of the previous ones, a um, little bit more successful boxing from Izzy. I, I, for example, against Romero, you hardly saw any of that. And the leg kicking, although you saw much more of the leg kicking. Again, but guys are learning from this. They're kind of taking things away from him. But still, he is, to have this much tape on him, to have the guys this much game plan for him, and for him to still have that edge in the division, yes. it is remarkable. It is very difficult to do. However crowd-pleasing it might be, fine. Certainly, I'm not here to tell you you have to like things you don't like. But how difficult it is to pull off what he does is extremely, I mean, look, extremely look, difficult. Of the rare people that have had success against him, Gastelum took chances, and I think he was a little bit more explosive than Izzy thought. That was an earlier version Izzy, of Izzy, too. And, and look, and they went to... Sorry, no, I'm not farting. Okay, I thought you were uh, lifting. The, I mean, that would have been... Yesterday was my feral day. Today's not my feral day. Wow, Ron Burgundy. All right. No, no, uh, I had to move but, my foot. But, you know, you know, and it became a war, and it was what it was, but Gastelum also had to take back heavy damage sure. and be willing to do that. But also, when we also, saw, also, also, I'm, I'm in the, but I'm in the midst of this point though. When, when also though, we did see Izzy become safe and defensive against Yoel Romero when he got hit in the first round, but he never really repeated that. So it's hard to look at that as a trend. And then look, when Jan was able to land the big jab and the leg kicks, you, you saw Izzy slow down. Jared Cannonier never put Izzy in a spot where he was going to slow down his offense out of fear. And that's really the biggest thing I think negatively you can say against Cannonier. Because at least Gastelum and, 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 and certainly Jan, they were more offensive. Cannonier, I think, wasted two rounds 
trying to figure Izzy out and trying to get close with counter shots, at some point you do have to let things go offensively. Not just from a counter standpoint, not from a defensive standpoint. You need to take the fight to him. Kanner never tried to take the fight to him until it was too late. Interesting. I'm looking at the numbers here. In terms of targeting Adesanya, Adesanya, whatever, targeted Vittori and Whitaker to the leg much more than he did against Kananir. 36 and 42% respectively. Kananir just 25%. Sort of tells you the boxing uh, took the pressure off of Izzy, yeah. I think, to rely on the leg kicks as much, or you know, to, to focus on them as much as he did. So his offense was a little bit more varied, but still 25% is really high. Uh, I don't know what the UFC standard dude, would be. This is not GSP trying to trying to just wrestle from top position and, to, and neutralize dude, you. This and is. You. I'm it's so glad that. you brought that up. Because I'm so when, glad you brought Adesanya that up. Because when Adesanya predicted, you know, I'm gonna f this guy up and said all that, it doesn't. It, it didn't mean in the end he was gonna be reckless. But again, he stood so close to Cannonier and was comfortable with that dif distance that he's basically saying, "Bring your offense to me." And I'm going to end you by countering in. The, like, he's so comfortable in the storm yes. that that's why I think you hold back any criticism. And instead, you say, okay, somebody's going to have to take a chance. You're going to have to take a chance if you're looking up at the lights. You have to do that. I think that's right. But I am glad you brought up GSP. It does seem to be the case that when champions, and everyone's going to have a different number for it. Obviously, St. Pierre had a significant amount of title defenses, and Anderson lost his, you know, this terrible Chris Weidman knockout, right? And when I say terrible, I mean, you know, it's like uh, a, a bad thing for him. But there are these champions that kind of hold on for a pretty long time. Jones, now him, GSP. When they kind of get into that settled-in, multi-title defense stage of their career, and again, Jones is very different in many ways, and so is GSP, but they kind of get to a point where they still have the lead on the division. The guys can do things to make it interesting, but they can't quite cross over the hump uh, unless the guys stick around the division too long, or in this case, like Demetrius Johnson lost or whatever. But... Um, you, you see this kind of evening out of like they're they have this this dramatic rise, then they kind of hold that title, and then they have these performances that are you know obviously too difficult for their contemporaries to deal with, but they're not these remarkable flashes that you saw earlier in their career. And obviously, they were fighting lesser opposition at those times. But I'm just saying, do you not notice similar course, patterns yes. in that way? Also, and I think Izzy's in the midst of that a little bit. What does experience give you at that level? It gives you an ability to know how to win close rounds. John Jones was great, great at point. knowing how to... And some of that, some of knowing how to win close rounds is not taking big offense in return and having yeah. great defense amid the fire. And obviously, John Jones was somebody who could also fight in the fire and still come forward. Uh, I, I think he's... Izzy is... Uh, Izzy wasn't even breathing through his mouth, though, by round five. Even by round five, he was breathing through his nose. Yes. And I think some fans are going to look at that and say, look, dude, you didn't take hardly any damage. I mean, obviously, you know, some of those leg kicks were hard. And yes, Kananir is a threat, of course. But you're not tired. You didn't get beat up. Why was there not more on your end? Now, of course, if you're Izzy, you're going to be like, well, listen, I'm the champ. He's the challenger. He's got to take the also, belt the for me. Also, the challenger's dangerous as shit. Can, we, can we put shit. that out there? This is but the I think what's left is that, like, the, in either way you want to look at yes. it, could more have been done, at least in theory, Yes, but dude, I've often said this too. Izzy doesn't make stupid fucking decisions. He yeah. never makes stupid fucking decisions. And right. as a consequence, that doesn't lead to a high entertainment quotient all the time, at least in this later stage of his career or whatever, but it leads to W's and all the time. If you're going to try to survive in advance, this is the opponent to do it to. But, you know, back to something I was trying to touch on, but, but I, it was a puppy that lost his way, is that, um, you know, industry, right? Technology, you know, you know that, that whole bit. The whole point is this. When I mentioned how uh, Gastelum... NFTs. Gastelum and, and Blahovich had success. They used offense to set up the success. They used entry type points, kicks, jabs. Like, it just wasn't there. Cannonier was just set, trying to settle for one shot that would turn the tide. You're not going to do that against Izzy. You have to make Izzy trade with you. You have to make Izzy's output go down by the danger yeah. you bring. There's a lot of things you have to do. None of it is easy. Gastelum was willing to 
lean on his chin and take big chances, and it worked for him for a lot, but you, you've never seen Izzy in a fight like that again, and I think no. there's a reason. He proved, you know, I mean, that was, by the way, I, I, do, I do think one thing about Izzy. He doesn't get the respect for the opening of round five against Gaslam when he's, you know, like... I'm prepared uh, to die. I'm prepared. Like, that was yeah. this turning point, like, oh, shit, I, I'm also a, a, a warrior at this level. Yeah. So if anyone wants to take me to that point, this is what's going to happen. Um, he's nasty. He's and, I, and I think that fight plays a significant role in Izzy's decision-making because that, I've said it before, obviously he lost to Blahovich, And, you know, you've seen some big punches landing from Whitaker and stuff. But that was the last time you saw Izzy hurt. You haven't seen him hurt since the, the Gastelum fight. And I, I don't think he wants to come. I, he went to that place. And that fifth round that he had against Gastelum, you you were there in Atlanta, dude. That was fucking epic. I don't think he wants to do that shit again no. if he doesn't have to. He's basically telling people, "Take me to that place." Yeah. That's what he did by standing that close to Cannonier. Sure. Take me there. It's not going to be easy for you. You're yeah. probably not going to get there. Cannonier didn't take that bait. Uh, he took his swing. It was better than Lauren Murphy against Shevchenko, though. I'll tell you that much in terms of game planning and uh, execution strategy. You know. Well, you know they can't all be winners, can they? It's like our Friday show. They can't both, all be winners. Both represent in Alaska, though. <laughs> Right. Oh, that's right. Uh, all right. So, dude, that fight didn't really blow up the fans' uh, attention, but we got to talk about that co-main. So let's read the decision officially. Alexander Volkanovsky retains his title, defeating Max Holloway. Dude, 50-45, 50-45, 50-45. And here's what I'll say about this, and there's a lot to say, BC. Uh, by far the least competitive bout of the trilogy. Volkanovski has a claim, in my judgment, as you can say whatever the fuck you want about pound for pound. That's your best fighter in the sport. Everyone else can eat shit. That's the very best fighter in the sport. Damn, I just said the same thing on HQ without any of the. Did you really? Uh, you know, they said, look, you know, we got to close strong. Geico, fifteen seconds. Give us, give us what you your biggest takeaway yeah. from there. And I was like, look, I love me some Usman. I love me Adesanya. Nobody fucking does that to Max Nobody. Holloway, dude. And he was already in ten tense close rounds with Holloway. And he just beat the. This is not a disrespectful thing, it's and not. I can't believe I'm saying it. He beat the piss out of Max Holloway. Dude, he dummied him, and I and can't believe I. I said this too, and I said this. We were watching, and you can say, tell the tell the audience the truth. I don't care who wins or loses, but the way Max lost kind of broke my heart a little bit. I don't care that he lost. Like the, 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 the better man won tonight. Of just no argument. He didn't knock Max down, and he didn't uh, stop him. Obviously, but he beat Max in okay. so thoroughly. I don't even know what else to say about Max it. Max was definitely flat, though. We do have to just address that. He came out flat. There was no Christmas. The speed difference was massive. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say 80% Volkanovski, of course, in the end. He was, 90, he was, 90. I mean, look, I hate to... There's certain superlatives I hate to use because you gotta leave something up there in the uh, just in case. Like, vir, this was virtuoso. I mean, it was fucking Jimi Hendrix. I mean, it was just like, yeah, was. holy shit. So St I wanna go Steve back Ray to Vaughan. something I tried to say in the live show yesterday, but you were like, yo, BC, fuck you. Remember that? Hey, listen, some people had a good time. Okay? Um, they did. The people there had a great time. The people time. there. The audience at home hated it. Uh, but the, here's the thing. I said, look, don't discount how he fought Volkanovski against Korean Zombie the way everybody is. Max, everybody's saying, look, great performance, but we expect that it's a different level against TKZ. And it is. But the intention, dude, the intention. This was a Volkanovski who needed something to fire himself up. So he took the fact that Max was talking trash. He took the fact that, you know, you're in Max territory, Ninth Island. They're going to be cheering for the U.S. guy against, you know, the foreign pirate here. But, Luke, he kept that shit on his shoulder. You know what I'm saying? He put, he loved it on his shoulder. He came out even talking to the camera on the walk about how good Australia is and boo me all you want. And then he came out there and fought against Max with the same intention of, like, I'm going to piss on you like he did against Korean Zombie. Now, it blew us away that he had that success, but he was crisper, faster, more powerful. 
by far than the guy he was against Max, who used brilliant footwork combinations, leg strikes, and darting in and out to, to you know, do his wizard chest dance moves, and it was amazing. It's a totally different evolved guy, where when we both look into the camera and say, yeah, I love me some Usman, but you know, he was he was life or death against Colby, and then was, you know, won a close fight against Colby, and like, Alex is widening the gap on everyone, but it's best illustrated by what he did tonight, because like, Max wasn't even in this fight for a second, Luke. And when Max showed a little bit of life, that one round, though, was it round three or four? Maybe. It was one yeah. of the takedowns in round five. Alex just shut the door, closed strong, and then came out in round five, opened the cut again, and just butchered him. And um, you haven't seen. It's not like Alex Ellis was never not offensive. Watch the Jose Aldo fight, right? Watch the Mendes fight. Like, he's always been offensive. But I just haven't seen this intention to sit down on his shots and load up. And, dude, it wasn't it, it well, wasn't one thing. It wasn't just the power, just the speed. I mean, it was everything well, tonight. There's one thing that people aren't really picking up on. I, again, I'd have to rewatch it maybe 48 more times. But um, in all seriousness, he wasn't fainting all that much, uh, yeah. Volkanovsky. Now, there was some, obviously, plenty of stance switching. Don't get me wrong. But, dude, relative to the first fight or even the second fight, he was kind of... Again, relatively speaking. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Flat-footed, and he beat the shit out of Max. Dude, that was punishing to watch. The right hand that split him open, Max's face was fucked up. The other, there was a cut over one eye. I think it was the left eye. The right eye was swollen shut. They didn't even interview Max afterwards. Dude, that was as thorough a closing of the book on that rivalry as, again, not, not you could possibly, not, a knockout would have been the most thorough thing, but like, you, you know, could have stopped it. You could have stopped in the first two fights, you it was like, well, how was the scoring? And blah blah blah. Dude, this fight was over. It was just arithmetic. I mean, it was you, there was not a single close round. There wasn't really a single close moment. A couple of decent strikes Max had, a few different ways. I will say, I didn't understand Max's strategy all that much. He, what was the first thing I said when they started up? I was like, dude, he's so squared up. He's presenting a bigger target to Volkanovski, and he's hunkered down a little bit, although his feet are closer. It almost looked like he was trying to bring in some of the strategy from the first and second fight and get the best of both worlds. And Volkanovski just no-sold all of that yeah. shit. He had no answer well, at any point for what he was doing. I do think Max has certainly evolved much better than the two of them since their first and second fight. And I do agree with what I said earlier that he's just he's now being more dangerous with his offense. I mean, he's just getting completely well-rounded. 
but the gap in speed was wide this time around. So I, it's so like, how, so, 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 so let me, I'm not saying that. I don't, okay. It's like, I want to give Volk all the praise that he deserves. And I also just said, I think he got, he was the one that got better. Max, even though he had the amazing performance against Cater, the mileage is such a difference. Alex is three years older, but the mileage difference is huge in that yeah. regard. I'm wondering now in hindsight, if that great fight against Yair, where we were we, coming out of it, we're like, did Max do great because he won it or not so great because he was getting lit up early? Was that the last stand? Not forever. I'm not saying retire tomorrow. Yeah. I'm saying like that guy, that guy, was that the last stand against Yair? And uh, I don't say he got old overnight, but 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 he ain't young, Luke. You okay. know what I'm what saying? Do you, what do you make he about... Got, he got second chapter. He got second half of the career right now. In, in, uh, uh, let me read some of these numbers. So actually, we should compare this. So Volkanovski landed 190. Again, quantitative, not qualitative, although qualitative certainly is there as well. Volkanovski landed 199 to Max's 127. Now, if we go to the other fights that he had, excuse me, I'm going to look them up here real quickly. Pardon you didn't me. tell me these stats are bullshit, though. No, no, these are the final ones. Oh, these okay. are the final ones. So these ones matter. So again, remember these numbers, 199 to 127. In the second fight, it was 137 to 102, much closer. And in the first fight, it was 157 to 134, still much closer. This was the biggest gap, at least numerically, that he had. On top of that, BC, real quickly, uh, Max, of course, 0 for 3 on takedown attempts. I didn't think he was ever really going to get him, but I thought maybe he could go for the, like, you know, Jared was trying to go for the single leg, not really getting the takedown, but then pressing his into the fence. He didn't do anything with it, but that's not a bad strategy on him itself. Uh, he had, he loved it. Jesus Christ. He had 16 seconds of control time. That is it. Holy fuck, man. You can't control Jesus. And then if all. you, and if you look, <laughs> and then if you look at the targeting, 76% to the head, 14% to the leg, and just 9% to the body. Dude, he was Max. You want me? You know, I think it was through three rounds. I was like, dude, Max can't even find him. So what? what he can't find here's him. Here's what I want to ask you, because there's a couple of potential options. Okay, one is that Volkanovski like just made a, a leap and a half in the last couple of fights, just as you know, and, and that could be it. Two is that it, the damage caught up with Max, and he got, and he even though he won against Yair, he got old overnight, and now we're seeing it here. Um, three. Do we find out like Max was injured or had a horrible weight cut? Or do we find out something after the fact that you go, oh, that makes sense? So let me ask you this. When I sat down with him, he did look thin, but like, I didn't think, people were like, oh, he looks terrible. He didn't look as terrible in person for whatever that is worth. You know who told me at the at the live show? Melissa Loves Nacho said that uh, Max in the face looked, you know, sucked, sucked out, out all week. You think he had a bad weight cut? Yeah, you wonder. He's 30. You know, that weight cut is hard to make. Is that why he's saying, let's go for the knockout, thinking in his mind, you know, my best chance then is to shorten the fight? The, the other one is, too, I asked him about damage, and he even brought up in the press conference, like, you know, we're talking about damage when he tried to do, like, the Allen Iverson thing. Yeah. Dude, I don't know, man. He looked like the damage caught up with him today. Like, he just looked... It's like the a answer may be off. all of the above in a way. It may be There's all no the denying above. Volkanovski leveled up, dude. The fact that he wasn't, he didn't, he, dude, I can't go back. I can't say this enough. I, there, there's no stat on this, so there's no way for me to, to definitively prove this. Go back and look at how much he was fainting in the third round of the second fight. That was the round where the fight began to turn in Volkanovski's direction and how much effort he was putting into foot feints and shoulder feints. Dude, he was just waiting on Max and then beating the shit out of him as he entered, escaping at an angle and then popping him on the retreat. How many free shots? Did he get when Max was pulling back or even rolling, whether it was a kick or a punch? He had he found wherever dude. It was like he had a fucking GPS tracker on the guy and was just pow pow pow. I was duck it, hunt. Is that what you're thinking? I used to take my my screen my my gun right up to the screen and just fucking <laughs> beat the shit. Everybody again. did, yeah. Um, I just couldn't believe I couldn't believe dude. He just it looked effortless the whole time. Max looked like 
God, Matt, Max, it, it, that was, Max was almost unrecognizable. I think to Alex me felt fight. bad, even though he did close round five. Strongly, with, yeah. Uh, there was points in round five where I'm like, oh, is he just trying to be a nice guy here? You know, which we've seen at times. Um, because you could have stopped it. You, Let me, I mean, uh, that, that cut was so bad, you could have stopped it. You could have stopped it. Again, in, Nevada, in New York City, they probably would have stopped yeah. it. Like, remember, we had the Diaz and the Masvidal Oh, Punch Drunk P, you know him very well. He tweeted at me and said it's the same cut that was opened up in the Poirier rematch. Right, but he, like, here's the thing. Like, Max took a beating in the Poirier fight, but he gave Poirier a fucking beating, too. Like, you know, he, he rocked and, and, like, had Poirier kind of, you know, uh, trying to cover her up and hold on for his dear life in a couple yeah. of those moments. He couldn't do shit. You know to Max needed between to, uh, rounds. Chef cast to show up, take those weird blinking cup things, put it right on the Johns, and just revive them. I mean, just you know, he just... needed he needed one of the, the seven margaritas I had yesterday. Uh, all right, so here are the striking totals per round. Again, quantitative, not qualitative. Uh, I didn't pop anybody with that joke. These guys are dead behind the camera. I know, dude. They don't, dude. Well, first of all, I mean, could he have? He's eaten all the edibles <laughs> in Las Vegas. Don't say his name. Do not. I'm say not going to say his name. But he's eaten all the edibles in Las Vegas. There's not. Let's, actually, let's if you go me. to the stores, they're like, "Sir, we don't have any left." <laughs> okay, I'm glad you're working on the show. Uh, okay. Volkanovsky. It's so hot in here. This is when and somebody tore up the bed. You can't use the be- the, stu- the studio room bathroom. Who tore up the bathroom? I walked in and smelled like shit. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't go. I didn't Mike, go. was that you? Mike, did you take a dump in the bathroom? <laughs> No, you walked out. I saw you walk yeah, out. Def- All right, hold on. Dude, this is what yesterday's show was supposed to be, and I ruined it. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. Oh I, had my many, God. I had too many <laughs> Yo, that was like, like I was making that Sully Sullinger joke. Dude, okay. that was like trying to land the plane in the hot We'll right talk now. about this. Okay, 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 I mean, come on. I, I, accept, I accept my responsibility for yesterday. I really do. But BC, be honest. It wasn't 100% my fault. Because we had ridiculous technology issues. Uh, when do you want to have this talk with the viewers? Later. Now? We'll have, we'll have, we'll have it. Okay. Uh, so, striking totals. Quantitative. Round one, Volkanovski, 28 to Max's 24. Pretty close. Round two, 37 to 27. Round three, 40 to 26. Round four, there was a little bit of an effort there from Max. 44 to 31, but how about this? Round five, 50 to 19. Now, I don't know this offhand, BC, but I'm going to guess if I looked at any of the other rounds in any direction, no one had that much of a striking differential. So that's 30 plus uh, strikes in the difference. Let me actually double check that. Have you ever seen Richard Mann in person? Have I seen him in person? I'm not I calling him I Dick Man at all. That's disrespectful. You literally just he's did. He's a great number. Like you numbers guy, he's a great numbers guy, you know? Yeah, so I'm looking at these striking totals here per round. Yeah, here's the, this is the second fight, right? Uh, no, this is the first one. So 19-19, round one, 22-21, round two, 25-15, 34-24, then 37-23. So no. Nope. just numbers to me. It was an ass kicking. That's all I need. I'm just to pointing out. Three to nothing. That was, excuse me, that was the second fight. What Luke, am I saying? you and I are huge. I mean, you love Alex too, but you and I are just such huge of, of Max's character, of his legacy, of his yeah. legend, all that. Yes, he's still I looked only, at the numbers. That's the most dominant round of all three fights. He's still only 30 but I want to ask you honestly, I mean, he has recreated himself at times where we weren't sure exactly where he is physically or mentally. Um, there's a ton of money fights he can make by moving up and fight the other aging, you know, uh, I mean, him against, I'm sure McGregor's still his super fight, him against any of the, I mean, it's Chandler. Does McGregor against, want to fight uh, Holloway after a performance like this, though? Like, I get what you're saying. Dude, so I want to, so that plays into it as well. I want to ask you, what do you think should be next for Team Max? <laughs> this is a night of retirements, right? Donald Cerrone, Jessica I. You know, listen, here's what I would say. Do I think that Max Holloway can continue to beat elite fighters potentially in two divisions? I 100% believe that. Yes, of course I believe that. But, but, um, I know for a fact 
He makes an absolute shit ton of money. I won't say how much from his gaming. Um, I Does know, he have an OnlyFans, or is this just like Twitch type thing, like live I, gaming? I think it's Facebook gaming. Okay. I don't know shit about gaming, so you have to ask somebody else. But um, you know, he's got a, he's a smart dude. He's got a great team around him. Beautiful family. Beautiful family. Like I'm not saying he has to hang it up. But he's taken a lot of damage. Tonight was another night where he took a lot of fucking damage. Um, not like an abusive amount, but not a great amount either. It might be time to at least, because he's so young, it might be time to at least take a just break. take a year off. Yeah, take a fucking take break, Take a year, man. a year and a half off. And, you know, and look, even even if he does that and comes back and all he does is, is, face, is take fun old guy fights, he's allowed that. He can still make a lot of money. He can sure. still win those. I mean, you would love to see him against Tony Ferguson, against name the, you know, name the aging fun guy that he can make great fights with. But I would like a break in between. I don't want to see him rush back and try to fight another top contender. I don't want, you know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. want to see any of that. Um, but let's not act like McGregor isn't damaged physically himself. You know, so I would love that, that but, fight. Uh, but yes, I don't, don't, listen. Okay, let me ask you this. Dead serious. If they made it 155, who do you favor? Matt, and I know it was a bad performance tonight for Max, but Max or McGregor? Because before I would have said Max, no problem. Yeah, I think it's still Max. Probably still closer, Max. And Max would have to answer questions. Just like McGregor's going to have to answer questions from layoff and injury for sure. And, and I do know that. Uh, do you believe, by the way, speaking quickly of McGregor, that the talks of this Mayweather thing is as serious as some of these weird online reports are saying that Mayweather offered him 160 million for the rematch. Like, I, do you believe any of that? I mean, I, I dismissed the first fight as like nonsensical bullshit for people who didn't know combat sports, and then it was like one of the biggest fights in combat sports history. So, I'll just shut the fuck up this time. It seems implausible because it would require them to work in all likelihood with the Showtime again, yes. which. You know, I don't think Dano really wants to do, um, but you know, but money what, talks. So what whatever. What if that money is that big and they did it in like the Middle East and Dana can get half of it? Yeah. You know? I want to say something about Max's run. We went over this on the resume review. I'm really glad we did the resume review. I guess it was a bit of a curse, unfortunately, this time again. Fuck, that kind of sucks. But um, I will say this. Well, I, we did one on Jessica. I we just haven't published it yet. So, <laughs> so I guess that evened it out, right? <laughs> but dude, that run he had from 2014 against Will Chope all the way to. I won't say the Dustin Poirier fight because he rebounded against Edgar, but that night, December 14th, 2019, that Max Holloway run is so special, but he met his match. He met his fucking match, and the win against Cater was remarkable. The win against Rodriguez was fucking blood and guts, but he's not the top dog at featherweight. There's just no controversy about it anymore, and... How similar do you feel yeah. about Max right now? to how you felt about Jose Aldo watching him getting violently knocked out a second time by Max. But okay, I, I will say this. I felt pretty similar. However, look how wrong I was yeah. given that Jose went to bantamweight and didn't exactly change his fortunes, but really kept the flame alive. We'll see what he can do against Murad Duwalis. Really, but... Team Max are not excuse makers. There is a chance to get old overnight against Yair, and this is what it's going to be like moving forward. Yes. But I really feel like something something was off him. It mixed with Volkanovski virtuoso. Maybe there was not going to be a scenario where he was going to win this fight. But I feel like we're going to find out something down the road. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We might just find out that Volkanovski had his fucking number, dude. That's what we might find out. And had um, it. Because, you know, when we were, I'm glad also that we did. By the way, we pumped out a shitload of content. Well, ha they, they, they haven't even seen some of the longer things that we did yet. I mean, but I'm glad we did the rewatch, uh, the watch yes, party. Of, of I am glad we did because it. Because rewatching that first one, that third judge who did 5 nothing Volkanovski, I'm much more looking back, 4-1-5. You know, I think I ended up with 3-2 the second time, but I could see easily where you can go 5 nothing there. So in reality, Luke, it's like Volkanovski was closer to dominating the first fight than he was 
in a in a pick'em. It wasn't dominant, but you get what I'm saying. Like it was closer to that. The second one, yes, Max had great first round and great second round and dropped him twice, you know, once in each. But that comeback over the final three rounds, Volkanovski was amazing. And now five shutout dominant rounds. For a rivalry between two greats, it really wasn't. You know what I mean? It was it was it was more unclose than it was you know nip and tuck debate who won that round. You know what I'm saying, Luke? Yeah. I mean, he was the better man, like, across the board almost. He really was. From round three on yeah. of the second fight, he never looked back. And doesn't he have excuses that he could have leaned out on the second one? Which I know he still won by disputed decision, but didn't he have, like, with the travel, with COVID? Like, there were there was, like, legitimate uh, Well, I think Australia is, again, I, I have to go he back and He didn't have the check. time with his coaches that he normally Yeah, I mean, Australia's COVID restrictions were pretty yeah. significant. Um, so I think that definitely impacted training. But, you know, Max was fucked up in that fight, too. Like, he couldn't, they were all on Zoom and shit. Like, the whole thing was a mess, but... Um, tonight, dude, you can say whatever the fuck you want to. Volkan- Let's talk about Volkanovski for a second. So I don't do pound-for-pound pound rankings, but you do. Yeah. What is the... I saw people being like, well, Kamaru's like, actual resume still necessitates him being put in pound-for-pound. Pound. And I can understand that. I would like you to speak about it. But, dude, just just like talent, Volkanovski is the best fighter in the he's sport. He's number one. Yeah. He is so one. good. Usman, two. Adesanya three, uh, Jones, you know Jones is off the list because of inactivity, but John Jones is in the discussion, obviously, and okay. you know there's a couple other guys that deserve to be wherever you have him four, five, six, seven, right there. But no, dude, it is Volkanovski because he is he is having an Usman-like run when Usman kind of were like, oh shit, now he's adding, you know, striking, and now he's knocking Masvidal out, and you know, but again, he also had very close fights with Colby Covington twice. And look at Volkanovski, except for the rematch with Max. He's not having these very close fights. And, uh, yeah, he had a scare against Ortega, but that is going to go down as, like, such a A legendary moment. A huge, um, it's more of a... What he proved. What he proved, yeah, exactly. You know, to see him bend like that but not break and then be the dominant guy overall in that fight. He's never lost in there, Luke. He has a win that's so dominant over a a version of Aldo that still has it that, again, I still believe Aldo kind of was just like, no mas, fuck it. Uh, Looking back, knocked, that was the canary in the coal mine. For he me. knocked out Chad Mendes and put him into retirement. He uh, I Darren, mean, who, Darren Elkins, he, he whooped up on. You know, I mean, it, it, I get it. Maybe I'm jumping the gun on. Okay, now he's got three wins over Max and a win over Aldo. He in four title defenses. He's, he's the greatest featherweight of all time. I mean, look, Jose is fucking Jose. You're right, but he doesn't have to do much more if he's not already the greatest featherweight of all time, Luke. Fucking A. And it feels too soon in a way, but he's also 12-0 in the octagon, and now he's got, uh, is it what, five title defenses now, or did I just make that up? No, uh, four. four. I said four. Four, because Max has three. Um, damn, so Luke, I like what he did afterwards. He said, not only, it, it wasn't just I'm done here, let me move up and fight Charles Oliveira, which, which I want to get about, your yeah, thoughts yeah. in a second, yeah, yeah. but it was, I want to be active enough, and what's the smart thing to do when you hit your absolute best you'll ever be right now. This is his prime prime, the go peak get, of the absolute money. prime. Yep. He says he wants to defend both. He wants to fight Oliveira, but he wants to be active in both divisions. Is that possible on this level? You can say Amanda Nunes has done it, but the divisions aren't as loaded or competitive, Luke. Is it, is it possible for, to do that before you get into the Oliveira side of it? I think, I think he has. there's a few guys knocking on featherweight. Josh Emmett, one of them. Dude. I'm not saying that he's going to look better. I'm yeah. just saying. Like, I mean, Yair is interesting in the sense that he's so unorthodox and quick that you could see him catching Volkanovski with something. That's not crazy. Again, Ortega dropped him. Mendez dropped him. Max dropped him. Like, dude, if I can learn Russian quick, I could talk um, Zabit back into the game. I don't think he could. He ain't dropping Volkanovski. But the point I'm trying to make is, you know, he has shown some 
very limited, but some vulnerability in that sense. So maybe you think Yair would have a chance there, but I wouldn't pick Yair over Mac, oh, no. uh, Bokanovsky. So like, fight, <laughs> sick fight. So dude, here's the thing. He wants to go up to 155. Now this would be a fucking nightmare because in the sense of this, in this way, Oliveira got stripped of the title, which was bullshit, but whatever. Because, yo, DC just straight up, yo, I cheated like a motherfucker in Buffalo. And everyone's like, hee-haw. And I'm like, well, then we're going to give the title back to, okay, but either way. Chuck, yeah. Yeah. So the point is, you have Oliveira waiting. They don't even know who the opponent's supposed to be. It should be Makachev, but they don't want to make it in Abu Dhabi, so whatever the fuck they're going to do with that. Mahachev, I think. Whatever. I don't know how. I'm trying. Now you have Oliveira saying he wants to fight Connor, and there's all this stuff. Volkanovski coming up, like what would they do? Would they do Volkanovski Olive? Would Poirier Chandler kind of would they do? I saw that too. But would they do Volkanovski Islam for the title and and some kind? Like, here's the thing: Do I want to see Volkanovski go to 155? Not a doubt. I would love to see it against. But you're saying we got things to figure out first at lightweight. But dude, lightweight's a bit of a fucking disaster right now, and all this would do would clog it up. So what I'm hoping is they can get that other 155 fight made, so we can get some clarity and then see where Volkanovski can fit into the picture. How interested are like legit interested are you, and like in a way that is you think he's competitive to go to 155? I mean, I wouldn't not be interested. I mean, that'd be a sick fight, right? And but I want to ask you about that, and it almost doesn't matter the opponent here. Now I know Max is big for featherweight in terms of length and height, and he always has been. But Max had a five-inch height and reach advantage. Volkanovski looks small. Like, I mean, he always, he's always looked small against Max, but he looks small. Um, I get that he came down from a higher weight playing rugby, and maybe that speaks to now he's fallen in love with his power and figuring it out. But just straight up size-wise, the same fears you had of Henry Cejudo coming back and fighting Volkanovski and trying to become a three-division champion. Do you have any of those fears I mean, of the size difference, dude? Yeah, first of all, this idea that Cejudo's going to fight Volkanovski and win, get the fuck out of here. I've been telling y'all that was a stupid idea. I like I've been that telling idea. you that's a I stupid like that. idea. By, by the way, uh, Cejudo and, uh, and Aljo had a stare down in Vegas. That's a Vegas. much better fight. Love that fight. That'd be great. Dude, they, there ain't a bantamweight on earth who's going to give fucking Volkanovski problems. Get the fuck out of here with all that. So... Um, I forget the rest of your question. I had a uh, point to make. Do you have a fear about his size and potentially moving up sure. against Charlie Ellis? Sure. I think he's obviously very strong. I think he could hold his own. But there's a question, like, how far does that actually extend against somebody like Michael Chandler, who is not the overall complete package that Volkanovski is, but he is... Dude, Vol- I, Chandler in the offseason gets close to 200 pounds. That's a big kid, dude. That's a real big kid. Well, big, he's a 34-year-old, 35-year-old man. But you know what I'm saying? Like, he's a big dude. So... I do, I do wonder about that. I yeah. think it's a very legitimate question. That's why it's so intriguing. But that's why in combat sports, what's the most exciting thing? A few things. The guys on the, their rise up is super exciting. The other one is the guys who can move through weight classes. That is so special. It's so special yes. in boxing. It's less true in MMA, but it would still be very fucking awesome. Where would you put fighters starting OnlyFans pages on that list of what's great about fighting? <laughs> Okay, are, are they like near the BKFC <laughs> stage of their career? Because that says a lot about what they're going to show. <laughs> I'm just saying bullshit. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Um, let's talk about some of the other fights. <laughs> that is so true, though. That I know, is, right? It's like That is the life cycle. It's like, how much yeah. will they show? Well, well, how close are they to the end of their run? I mean... <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Um, uh, would you, about, by the way, would you like... I know that uh, Chandler versus Poirier is, is something that's sexy as shit, but would you like Max against Chandler? Well, you mean after Max gets time off? Um, I liked your other one, Max versus Tony. I like I like that one a little bit more. That's yeah, a little more. That, you know what? That Connor versus Tony, I think would also be Connor great. versus Tony. There's a lot of good fight, fights but... you can make. Yeah, those are some good ones. The Chandler one, wouldn't hate it. Wouldn't hate it. I don't know if it's my first choice, but wouldn't yes. hate it. Would you think Max is more likely to 
just come back against a, a big dangerous name, then take the year off or two years off, like we're sort of, you know what I mean? Like, he is he is a fighter, Luke. He, uh, it's, it may be hard to talk a guy like that. He when, needs, he's, when you're he needs 30, to take a break, dude. He does, but when you're 30? Dude, all the more reason. It's his, his 30 is closer to like a real 34. And it's funny because Rory McDonald lost while we were while it was on TV. We Doesn't were, even we look like the same fighter anymore. And, you know, and I'm sure we'll get to that this week on Morning Combat from the PFL this weekend. But, um, you know, one thing I had said afterwards to Bronstetter, who, how rude was that uh, YouTube commenter saying he looks like a teacup chihuahua? I mean, that's so rude. Not rude enough for you to not laugh at yeah, it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But uh, wow, okay. Um, you know, I'm sure I had a. I'm sure. Well, who, which fighter was I talking about? Like, it do, doesn't matter. Can we move oh no, on? no, no. I said, um, what if you know? Because we said like the, the warning sign for Rory was the Fitch fight and the talk about God telling him not to hurt people. You know, yeah. in that moment, what if he had taken a year and a half off? What if he taken 18 months off and just figured know. it out? Dude, you know, sometimes could, sometimes the damage is done. And it doesn't matter how much time off you take. Now, I'm not saying that's the case with Max. We'll have to see. But there, there can be times where you take time off and you ain't getting re- recharged. There's nothing left to recharge. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, in terms of just getting your lights put out, how about Alex per- Pereira? I don't know why they keep saying Pereira. I don't speak it's, Portuguese, but my understanding is if it starts with an R or it has two R's in the middle, that's when you say an H. He doesn't have either of those, but okay. He sends Sean Strickland to the land of wind and motherfucking ghosts. 236 of round number one, KO, a left hook from hell, almost identical to the punch that uh, City Kickboxing's Carlos Olberg used on Tafan and, and Chukwi, which I talked about on the extra credit like extensively uh, this past week. Um, holy shit. Yeah, I mean, we knew this was possible, and there were times I looked at that batting line, can, and I'm like... Can we talk like, about Sean Strickland's strategy? No, no, what the no, because you asked me to talk about uh, <laughs> my reaction, and then you're like, fuck Sorry, 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 sorry. It was like when you're like, can we do a Jake chant? Dude, somebody... Jake, Jake, some, fuck Jake. Sorry, I tweeted this morning, and someone called me Luke Mas Margaritas Thomas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's a good zing. That's a good zing. Right, what um, you think? I mean, obviously, I was impressed. It, there were times this week when you look at that line, and you're like... What if he really is that good and now we're getting plus money on him against a guy who, without big power who's going to potentially follow him around and walk into it? No one thought that strategy. We can get to that in a second. But, God, I'm glad he did this because him versus Izzy is such a great storyline matchup and I think has potential to be very interesting if if, if Pajeda is the type of striker that Canada wasn't in that fight to, to try to discipline and slow down Izzy's output. I mean, that could be a chess match with big explosive moments. Uh, and I love the storyline. But to prove that you're that good by, by knocking him out that brutally, so there's no doubt here, Luke. I mean, you know, I can't take credit for this because I predicted Trickling to win just like you. Yep. But this fight was so close on paper and it got us so excited, we knew it could go either way. And one thing I said was, you know, could it look like Hendo Bisping won? It kind of looked exactly like Hendo Bisping won, <laughs> except for one big ridiculous follow-through punch, you know? Um, if you had told me that Strickland was going to fight like that, I would have never have picked him. Now, the one thing I will defend Strickland on, the one thing, putting Pereira on his heels was, at least in theory, yes. not a bad idea. But in order for that to work, so many other pieces, he was so flat-footed and just kind of marching into him. And it wasn't like he was putting him on his heels, but it didn't feel like very strategic pressure. It more just felt like consistent and dude, I what shot. the fuck? I mean, it's, fuck. it's easy to say it now in hindsight because you're right. He, he had a strategy that was bent upon, uh, you know, pr- with pressure and, and you know, and movement, and try to get Pereira to make a mistake and all that. And you know, given their lack, their experience gap, obviously Pereira has the extreme uh, history and glory and having beaten Izzy twice. But it's a slow trans, you know, it's a slow transition sometimes to this game. Um, it, he could have exposed no him. takedowns. 
But that's my no point. I, it's easy to say in hindsight because he got demolished, what he should have done, but he probably should have shot early and put in the thread of that, which would have helped the pressure he was trying to put on by come forward. And he was trying to swim with his head a lot, Luke, but... Strickland? Yeah, he, Dude, there were he times he was straight. There were times he was trying to just kind of swim in and move in, but even then he wasn't doing that. He that was much. keeping the movement to such a tight area that he yes. was still in range. And then, Dude, Dude, he was that, flat. He was flat-footed. He wasn't bouncing. He wasn't taking angles. He wasn't hardly fainting yeah. at all. He was just reacting and walking forward again. What could I do any better? No, he would have beat my ass in fucking ten seconds. It would have been nothing. But this is what I mean. Do I think that Alex Pereira is obviously insanely talented and just a devastating threat? And Somebody who I think is going to make Izzy fight. Yes. No doubt about it. But Sean Strickland is a good fighter. A very good fighter. He should not lose this quickly unless something desperately went wrong. Just didn't love his approach to this fight. Really, really, really didn't understand it. Really didn't like it. And I mean, he look, paid for you it. know, Strickland talked a big game this week, so maybe there was that pressure in this moment to, if I'm going to beat this guy, I'm going to have to kind of try to dominate him. And that might not be dominating with power. It might be dominating with pressure and always hold the control of the fight. And he was fighting <laughs> Luke to get that control, and he never got that control. And he got and he got sent. Some and, of the uh, fight mature guys are making fun of where we're shooting this thing. Yeah, this could we, we should probably just end it now. No, no, no. we got to figure out. We just have to finish the, the main card here a little bit. Um, do you agree with my assessment that Pereira is going to be a good match for Izzy to get more out of him? Yeah, I, I, really, I, I said do think that so. a couple minutes ago, and I, I think like you know there may be slow moments, maybe tense moments, but this is going to have to be a different Izzy than because it's a different type of challenge on Cannonier, and it's going to be fun to see a guy who, um, you know, it's not like we we expect Izzy to take him down. All of that could end up being in play for all we know. Izzy's adding things to his game constantly, and he's great. But if this is a slow, tense chess match that speeds up beautifully, it's going to be a dangerous ass fight because we don't actually know how good. We don't know what Pereira's ceiling in general on the MMA side, so that's what makes this extra scary. So it's you know when you fast track somebody, he had three challenges, he passed them all by all three by stoppage. Um, I, he found a way to look spectacular coming into a title fight on a fast track, but also not having all the questions answered, Luke, which that's is right. going to make this it's going to make the betting line interesting. It's going to make the anticipation of it because you're going to pump the 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 uh, preview system with the highlights of him knocking Izzy down, you know, and knocking Izzy out, right? Clean, of course, yeah. and you're going to say that was in bigger gloves. Now we got it four ounce gloves. That is going to sell itself, Luke. Do the oh. uh, the if you didn't see it tonight, and maybe it was on Instagram too. I don't know. I just saw it on Twitter. The Glory Kickboxing, the official Glory Kickboxing Twitter account. Boy, they had some they had some memes ready for old uh, Sean Strickland. They were, because uh, they took the clip of him saying, like, oh, I could beat the shit out of any glory kickboxer and blah, blah, blah. And then they sort of superimposed it over, like, some kickboxing highlights and shit. It didn't, and they had it the second he was knocked out, ready to go. So. Your former employer. Yeah, it was fun working for them. I learned yeah. a lot, actually. Uh, all right, how about Brian Barbarena defeating Robbie Lawler, TKO, round two, 447. At distance, Lawler looked pretty good. Barbarena just ate a fuck ton of damage yeah, and then just got does. busy with all of the strikes. I think he threw over 190 strikes in one of the rounds, which is a welterweight record for a single round. Now, look, he had to come back from it, like you mentioned, and he had to dig deep into hell, which, again, he's good at. And by the way, there's a three-fight winning streak now for him, so which is, you know, this is big. But um, this was supposed to be a feel-good story because Robbie Lawler came out and he looked younger and friskier and the head movement, and, yeah, he was getting into the pocket and exchanging, and it had the... The, the, you know, the exchanges that, that were sexy that we liked, we expected this to be an all-action affair, and it was, but it was really looking like Robbie, you know, bought a couple more fights. It looked like he kind of just figured some things out for a while. But, you know, the reason why we picked Barbarina, or I did coming in, 
was if it turned into a full-on war, you were going to like the younger guy who's been a little bit more battle-tested. Yeah, you know, oh, he, battle, was, he almost retired. Been not battle-tested, but a little bit more durable of late. You know, he did almost retire, but um, I want I, I wanted this for for Robbie though. I wanted this win, but uh, damn, did, when, he, when, the, you asked about retirement. We already had two of them, but. Um, I would go if I was Robbie. I would. I he's mean, been fighting a lot. He's taking. We don't talk about it. He's taken a fuck ton of damage. Yeah. Well, it's we don't talk about it because it's difficult to. And while we should talk about it in responsible ways, and I think you asking Max and you know maybe some other fighters we talk to, like it's a, it has to be a discussion. But damn, that's not an easy discussion because it's it's, it's part of what you accept in 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 these type of combat sports and. And it's hard that we have to come sometimes put it into our analysis of has this guy taken too much? Will that show up in this fight? You know, yeah. what's Max going to be look like next time? Was that just virtuoso Volkanovski or did we see clear signs? And um, I don't know how much more Robbie can gain. I mean, you know, th this looked like a triumphant maybe last victory effort. It didn't happen now. I mean, the, he walked uh, into last of the Mohicans theme song. too. And he's what is he lost four or five? I mean, he's, he's a lot. On, he's that's on a good a question. Run actually, let me verify that before you uh, move on. I we'll think it's six that. of eight and four or five and uh, he's 40 years old. And dude, oh, Jesus. Yeah, he hasn't won two in a row oh, since 2015, 2016. Yeah. He's lost five of six. They've been to, you Jesus. know, Colby RDA. Look, been look, look, look. He had the Roy McDonald fight and then the Carlos Condit fight, two insane wars, and his career was never the same after that. He's what? Look at seven that. Seven and two since then? Yeah. He beat Cerrone by decision. No, two and seven. Yeah, two and seven, excuse me. And then, he, of course, he stopped uh, Nick Diaz, uh, which doesn't get And him. then two wins were Cerrone, who was, you know, kind of getting towards the end of his run, and then Diaz. <coughs> All right, uh, real quickly here. The Sean O'Malley and Pedro Munoz. Notice how fight. I just said the two wins were. Diaz and Cerrone, and then you were like, yeah, but BC, the two wins were Diaz and Cerrone, and I was just like... Give me a margarita and shut your mouth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and okay, in all seriousness, Pedro Munoz, Sean O'Malley, no contest. Yeah, Dude, this one sucked because um, Munoz looked like he had a good strategy of, like, leg kicking and then constantly mirroring the stance switch and staying out of punching range in large part, and it kind of muted a lot of the offense of what O'Malley had. Joe Musso asked me on HQ if Pedro Munoz acted to try to get out. So do you think like, he was looking no. for a way out? Dude, he was... He, this was... This was a Pedro Munoz fight. He was kind of frustrated. I don't want to say he was frustrating O'Malley, but he was making it the type of fight he was trying to. Yes. Lower the output, because if you get into an output fight with O'Malley, he's gonna he's so dynamic and quick and, and creative, he's gonna find that opening. Munoz was landing the leg kicks, which was a smart strategy that Vera did, and that changed that fight in a big way. Um, why would he look to get out? You saw the replay, Luke. It was a full hand coming into the eye, and he got him twice with the same finger in both eyes, Luke. All right. So um, he fingered him. Okay, so that should they do a third rematch? base? Yeah, third base. Pop goes the weasel. Should they do a third, a second fight? Should they do a rematch? I mean, in reality, they probably should, but but I don't want to say like, sorry, Pedro Munoz, you lose. By the way, two you of the judges, lose, two of the judges gave Munoz round one, so he won. Technically yeah, round you one. have to, you have to, because we didn't learn anything from it, and Munoz at least showed, or no, we learned something. Munoz at least showed he could succeed in that. Said bringing down the you know the offense and the output to raise his possibility of landing a big shot that could change him. We didn't see enough exchanges to see what this was going to look like. All so. right, let's answer some questions. I know there's a bunch more that happened. We're going to save some of that for extra credit. So let's answer some of the questions from the fans here. BC Anthony Smith said Izzy is a lot like Mayweather. To your point, stunts on his opponents defensively doesn't always take wild chances for wild results. Of course, we already talked about that. How about this for you? Will Pereira's length be the biggest issue for Adesanya? Adesanya, whatever. Pereira, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what's the length difference here? Because, look, Adesanya is used to, like, six, eight-inch reach advantages. Like, he had over, like, Vittori and Costa. This was smaller against uh, Cannoneer, and I think you saw some of that danger in there. But uh, what's the... I guess we have to click on it, Luke. I thought you were going to help me out. Uh, he has a... This is Pedeta has a 79-inch reach, according to Wikipedia. 
And then Izzy. Is uh, what, 84? Uh, 80. 80. Okay, so it's, it's basically virtually identical. Virtually identical. I mean, that's going to be a part of it. Is that the one reason? No. How about this? The, the main reason is he's got sick power in both hands, but that main reason, Luke, gets, gets some, some more gold coins thrown on top because he beat him twice, including once by knockout. And I know as he says, rewatch the fights. Okay, great. I'll, I'll rewatch it. Do you have, if you have big success, that's great. But he lost them both, and you can't fake that kind of confidence, Luke. If I kicked your ass in the street twice, and now you want to fight me in the MMA cage, Luke, I'm going to kick your ass a third time. I don't know. Daniel Fever had something to say about that. Uh, The problem, this person writes, the problem with Izzy is that he's too good on his feet. There isn't another champ that shuts down other fighters by having such a gap in talent. See, here's the difference. Habib did, actually. But Habib found the finish, or at least brutalizing rounds, much more often. He still, like, Habib didn't really win by like, I'm just going to stand the whole time. I mean, a little bit with Iquinta, but even then there was a bunch of takedowns in that one too. Or at least well, he kind of gassed himself out with the takedowns when he couldn't Fine. finish. Fine. It was a late nose thing, but whatever. But like, Izzy has that same kind of, I'm so much better than, like, who's the best striker at middleweight? Again, we'll see about Pereira, but it's, for now it's Izzy. But he doesn't turn it necessarily of late into these like, you know, dramatic finishes and brutalizing Dude, He's going to bring sick confidence in there against No, him. I agree with you. I can't wait to see it. Um, remember, remember during the card when you were like, <laughs> since Alex, during, oh, you're not going to listen to me talk to you. Oh, sorry. Just, yeah, I, I, there's a good joke here. Okay, um, it's weird that you're actually reading the fans' questions. I'm really like, that question fucking sucks. I fans. asked him for questions. Go ahead. We asked him yesterday too. Um, I was going to say, uh, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say, but I did get the nice little, you know, pitchfork. Jack. Since Alex beat Strickland, I guess that means he doesn't jack off to cartoons. I had to get that one in there. Yeah, thank you. For By the way, to all those people being like, yo, he 10-7 him at the press conference. How many fucking times do you need to see something at a press conference that has fuck all to do with what happens in a fight? Again, McGregor just sunned Mayweather for four stops on the tour and then got tuned up in front of everyone. It doesn't mean shit. I keep trying to tell you, donks, it doesn't mean shit. Okay. Um, I don't think they're, yeah, well, they're... No, yeah. no, no, no. I had people tweeting me being like, yo, 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 that's going to that's gonna play a factor later. Uh, okay. Izzy is going to encounter the perception issue that he can't surpass Anderson as middleweight goat because of his fight style. True or false? I mean, that's not helping him in this discussion be closer than maybe he could be, but it's going to be the totality of it, Luke. And I think also, you know, after Pereira, who else is Izzy has reason to stay around for at at middleweight. I think it's going to be time to make the full-time move, which means hmm. changing your body if that's necessary for him. Hmm. I mean, look, he, he got humbled against Jan, but he didn't get dominated. Like, there was almost an argument to make that Izzy could have won 3-2. Not a, not a huge argument, not a, not a powerful one, but my point is, like, he was, at moments when he was in that fight, he's got to be able to believe with a different focus and working on his wrestling that that move feels closer than not, Luke. Who else is climbing the middleweight ranking? I agree. I, th- I think if he beats... Pereira, yeah, move to 205. Unless Strickland sense. bounces back with a huge win and Izzy wants like a payday or wants some, you yeah, know. something like that. Uh, someone says, similar to Shevchenko's assassin KO artist descriptions, I think saying Izzy is a, quote, KO artist is inaccurate. He's very smart and safe, and Costas is only recent KO exciting fight. Fair or unfair? Well, if he can get into a downhill position against you, he's going to probably knock you out, right? Oh, yeah. But, you know, lately the competition, I don't think it's like, is the competition catching up? Well, no, the competition's great, and when you continuously... That's why I picked Cannoneer in this one, because it's hard to be as great as Izzy has been, right? I thought he laid it against Romero and took a chance that was a little maybe unnecessary and got away with it, but he hasn't done that again. And, yeah, if you're not on his level at all, he's going to turn the tables, go downhill, walk you down, and get you out of there. He was offensive against Cannoneer. Like, this isn't the argument to make right now, Luke. 
It's good. It's anyone competing with Anderson Silva for some type of of thing that is he is. There's part of us that just loves the folk hero side of Anderson Silva because in his mid to late 30s. He did video game shit. I mean, he had, you know, the, the front kick to knock out Belfort, the dancing around Forrest, you know, the comeback with the broken rib against Chael. Um, that, be, that built the folklore of this Michael Jackson character who was like the Jordan of MMA for that stretch. Izzy's got his own thing, Luke, and the totality of the wins are going to speak to it, as would if he moves up and gets a, a championship in a second division, which I'm not saying, like, do it, you'll be the favorite, you know, but he also, Luke... He, he can compete right now for the, to the 205 title against any of those guys. He can. He, he can, yeah, man. Maybe so. Prochka was there in attendance as well. Um, can I say something? I want to give a shout-out to Dean Thomas. I think Dean Thomas is the smartest guy they have on that broadcast. Now, nobody quite knows wrestling like Daniel Cormier. I know some people don't like Cormier as a commentator. Some do. I get it. But when it comes to the wrestling, he is quite good. Obviously, Rogan has you know, sort of, uh, been there forever and... Sort of as like a you know has tenure and I think he he felt um, upset about me saying that he normally dresses like a busboy. So today is that why he called you the other like, dude? <laughs> he wore like a classic like nineteen fifties black and white suit. It looked good. He didn't button the top. Button I don't though. get that. If you're gonna wear a suit, you gotta button well, the top. He has a thick right? neck though. I mean, he does. Work they can work. find. I dude, I have an eighteen inch neck. I can find. But shirts. it didn't look like a rental. It kind of looked like it didn't not look like a rental. Yeah. Yes. So maybe he like like threw up on his regular clothes or something. No, or the or UFC outfits him, and I wonder if they tried to get him one. Oh, they outfit him. I was going to say, maybe his normal outfit was being used at, like, Gonzalez E. Gonzalez. So, Joe, I thought Joe reserved it for that night. No, no. Did Joe also yeah. have explosive yeah. diarrhea from eating said <laughs> <laughs> establishment? I will say this. Dean Thomas is a fucking legend, dude. He adds, with those little bits of information, more detail than virtually anyone else on the broadcast. And I get, I get it, his job is easy. He gets to come yeah, in. Yeah, like, Trevor Whitman's great, but he's feathery. He, he picks That's right. picture. And, and Dean gets to parachute in with an insight and then get the hell out. Yeah. It's harder to do that for much longer stretches of time, and I get that. But I want to say, Dean is the fucking man. And I will also say there are times when I ask Dean questions, like on WhatsApp, I'll message him, and he gets back to me. He'll shoot videos to explain things to me. Yeah. Dean is the fucking man. He is a treasure. And I, I, they put him on the analyst desk for ABC. I want to see him more. Dean Thomas, shouts to you, dude. Of you are fucking awesome. all the in like the inner circle of Dana White friendship right now, like he used to be like Nick the Tooth. And Nick then it was the like, Tooth. And you know, it's like Matt Sarah and all those guys. But like, I actually feel like you could, like I would want to hang out with Dean Thomas. Yeah, yeah Dean seems like good people. Uh, um, yeah, sorry, but Dean, I burped right after. And then someone else asks, if you're going to pay 75 bucks for a pay-per-view, can we not have to watch commercials? I agree with you. I yeah. agree with yeah, you. Yeah, DAZN does that too, by the way. You mean DAZN pay-per-view? Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is like... What the fuck? Um, we'll have a bunch more to say in the coming week. I know that Monday is a big holiday here in Los Estados Unidos, so uh, we will still have content for you that day. Be on the lookout for it. We're going to have an MK t- uh, bonus weekend show tomorrow. Uh, we should talk about that. I have an idea. But yes, the answer is yes. There's there's going to be content coming your way. Plus, we're going to talk about the Cerrone retirement. We're going to talk about the, yes, the Jessica I retirement. By the way, two futures won today. Ian Gary and Macy Barber, and then there was two retirements. Yo, there's a changing of the guard happening. You want to save until Wednesday show where we'll talk about the live show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it on Wednesday. Okay. You know, and there's a lot to say. Mostly I love you and I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't say sorry to me. Say sorry to the people. No, the people in attendance had a good Don't, time. No, that's it. We'll save it until right, Wednesday. Right. Okay. But everyone at home hated it. I know, I know. I'm sorry, folks. Well, I do appreciate you guys watching now. And by the way, let's just say one more thing. Thank you to all the CBS producers who showed up, Dude, Mikey, all the Showtime uh, yeah. producers who showed up, all the Malka people, our less CB- so the Malka people. Our CBS but. Sports editorial team was here, Brooke yes. Brookhouse, Shaq, Brandon Wise, it was great to see those guys. I mean, everyone chipped in this week. 
Um, whether or not you love the Friday Live show, and a lot of people, by the way, thought it was fucking awesome anyway. I did. I got um, some haters, but I got some lovers too. Um, I will say, you're going to love when you see all the content we shot this week. And I think, you know, we covered this top to bottom and all the bonus stuff that we normally do. Shout out to Chuck, you know, and, and all those guys um, who joined our live show. But Chuck, who helped us build some of those things um, yep. ahead of time. But the, the, the stamina this week that we had to show, that our team had to show, yep. man. That's that is inspiring, and, but I also am like I can't do this again for a long time. No, I know. Don't. And lastly, obviously, thanks to everyone who showed up yesterday. Thanks to MGM for helping us stage it. I know that a lot of folks didn't like it, but in general, for the week that we had, thank you to all of the MK fans out there who paid attention, who who did like the Max Holloway interview, who did like some of the stuff that we did. What if I roofied your drink to try to get you fired so it could be BC and Helwani moving forward? That's a that's a good doc storyline. More to come on that. Okay. That could, okay. I, I wouldn't put it past you. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past you. All right. I uh, want to thank, again, you guys all one more time. Thank you for watching. Thumbs up, hit subscribe. For all of us in the room, I'm going to go take a dump in that toilet. <laughs> and so just leave it. <laughs> that's, that's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. We appreciate you guys watching. And until next time, get some sleep. <laughs>